0: Agility isn't about speed. Agility is about flexibility and adaptability of the plan. If you learn to work the old way, but the new ways, what you need my jobs to make that switch from old to new. Suddenly
1: Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. I am Dave Pryor, Ross Berman's here. Ross, thanks for taking time out of your afternoon. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Dave. I really enjoy our conversations. Me too, and we're going to see where this one, is go- this one goes. This is going to be a bit of an experiment. We're going to talk about something that can happen during transformation that you kind of have to watch out for, and it might already be happening, and it might be messing you up, and you don't even know it. Um, so before we get into that, Ross, could you tell these fine people what you do?
0: Yeah, well, I am uh, an enterprise agile coach and also an enterprise architect. Right now I am trying to figure out what my next step looks like in my career path. And we used to be colleagues, but we're still buddies. Yep. So I'm happy to come on and talk to you.
1: Oh, thank you. And I and I really get a lot out of these conversations. So hopefully if you're listening, you do too. Um, I am taking a course right now and it's in Kanban and systems thinking and a bunch of other stuff. And the section that we're in right now is about personal combat. So I'm running all these experiments in making adjustments to how I populate my ready and my doing column and how I track the work in done. And this week, I ran an experiment where I broke my, my uh, ready column into four different boxes and my done column into four different boxes so I can start to categorize all the different things that I'm going to do before I do them and then get a sense of how I felt about them after they were done so that I can not only optimize flow, but ideally find a way to populate my doing section with things that are going to fuel me and propel me forward. And the first thing that I noticed when I made these adjustments to my board was that the only way I could fit the cards on the board was to stack them up and then I couldn't see them anymore, which completely violates the entire purpose of doing something like this. And I think what what struck me about it and what struck me about what, what you were talking about before we started recording, Ross, was this is an effort that I am making in using metrics to learn more about the system and understand how to optimize it. And all I'm doing is junking it up and slowing it down by trying to look at things that either I'm not looking at correctly or may not really matter.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I think like there's a hidden whip joke in there. I yeah. can't see all your cards, I don't know. <laughs>
1: There's probably a lot of, but you were talking before we started recording about different companies in transformation and how there's things that they start to measure and they can't even see what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, they're, they're setting up measurements to prove something, you know, that something's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And sometimes what it's supposed to be doing isn't aligned to what the company actually does.
1: Okay. Can you give an example? Sure.
0: Um, you go into a transformation and there's a finance process of how things get funded. And there's a, um, functional structure in the organization, right? Where you have this function, that function, and there's subject matter experts in those functions. Okay. Um, and they, that financial system and those functional, um, systems work together. And basically what they say is that if you do this thing, um, you will help the company meet its financial targets, and that's how we're going to incentivize you to do your job. Okay. And then what ends up happening is the you know somebody in the organization, like the CIO or you know the vice president of engineering or somebody, is like, oh, I need to get product out the door faster, so I'm going to start the agile transformation project, and I'm going to fund the agile transformation project, and they're going to help me get software out the door faster. And then what ends up happening is, is that, you know, consultants come in like myself and like you, Dave, and we figure out how to solve that problem. We're going to get software out the door faster and we're going to show how to you know measure against getting software out the door faster. And it's going to be great um, and we're going to have more throughput and our delivery teams are going to have better velocity. But none of those metrics are actually linked back to the investment made for those products and what those products do once they get to market. So um, the other thing that happens is that if each functional area has their own set of incentives based on financial performance, anything that doesn't directly link to that financial performance is going to be an extra thing to do. And if there's old constructs around how they're supposed to get their work done, they're going to maintain those old constructs continue to do the old things and resist against the agile transformation. And you know better than me because you taught me CSM uh, and CSPO, but uh, a cross-functional team um, aligned to delivering value is going to be our best team to get to a state of agility. And if we have functional silos incentivized to do certain things against a financial construct that are all legacy um legacy processes, we're just gonna locally optimize one process and get a ton of resistance yeah. from everyone else involved.
1: Yeah. So they're not look they're not looking at the whole, they're just looking at the part right in front of them. Like I, I used to see this when I first started doing work in digital agencies where they would want to increase revenue. So they would create these incentive incentives for the salespeople who would then get contracts signed for totally impossible things that we could never deliver. But they filled their part of the funnel. So their job was done.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about this in another podcast. I don't remember if it was this one or the other one you do, if you do competitions of functional teams, like somebody loses. Yeah. And whoever wins, like if the, it's if the further to the left team wins, the more teams lose. Right. So like get your organization built around a, a value chain. That's going to deliver a product to market. And incentivize the people who work in the value stream around that value chain together as a as a single group or a cross functional team, from your you know director of this product all the way down to your junior developer who just started you know yesterday.
1: Okay, when we were talking before we started recording, you said something about the organization um, looking at things and and trying to get predictable and. I started thinking of it like it's, it's like one of those cartoon characters running in place. Like they're not actually going anywhere. The organization feels like it's achieving agility because it's doing a lot of things to practice agile stuff. And they feel like they're getting faster. They feel like they're getting more predictable and maybe they are, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're just going through the motions of this. and it's and how do they know if it's actually helping? Like, that was one of the things that I noticed when I started doing transformation work is there was never a way of showing anybody, like, look at the impact. It was like, we're, we're agile because we're doing daily scrums and we've trained everybody um, and they're working in sprints, but there wasn't a way to quantify the impact that had on the business. And that led me to sort of question, like, well, why are they doing agile anyway? Yeah, and is agile even right? I mean-
0: Yeah if agile doesn't align and, and there's this like so the metrics will show an improvement in something right because anytime you're going to put in a new system and, and invest in training and go train and teach new behaviors like you're going to see an improvement in something
1: we're going to build metrics to prove what we want to prove
0: sure and and like we can do that right and we can you know we can show incremental success. Everybody feels good. Like, like I'm, I'm one of these people who's like a story is a story. It's everything you need. I don't want a testing story. I don't want you to horizontally sprint, split work and create a dependency. If this is the best you can do writing a a vertical story and it's going to take us three sprints. Well, guess what? You know, next time we're going to have to get better at writing a vertical story, but we're not splitting functionally the work inside of a scrum team. Right. right? And Velocity is going to look like shit while the team is figuring that out. Yeah. You know, and and it's going to take, it's going to take a while and velocity may always be shit. Like, and that's okay because agility isn't about speed. Agility is about flexibility and adaptability of the plan. And I think like a lot of folks forget that um, when, when they think about adopting agile, because they're trying to fix a speed problem not an adaptability problem, and I think that when you look at agile in a scaled environment, um, there's a lot of theory out there about if we can, you know, make the work smaller and if we can, you know, encapsulate as many of the decisions as possible and create cross-functional teams and all this stuff, we're going to get faster. And the processes in the company, those legacy processes, dictate speed not your ability to deliver code. And I think that's the fallacy that everybody gets hit with around agile is speed. Agile is adaptability to plan and you're creating work items to make yourself more adaptable, hopefully as as many levels in the organization
1: as possible. So I feel like I want to argue against part of it. I think that the velocity is a valuable metric but not if that's the only thing that you're looking at. I mean, to me, that would be like if we said, "Well, this shortstop's got awesome reflexes. He's got the fastest reflexes of any shortstop in the entire league, but he's got really horrible decision making." <laughs> then it doesn't matter. Like, like you well, can velocity
0: say, is an important metric, Dave. I wasn't saying yeah. that. What I was saying is, it's okay if it's always thirteen.
1: Okay, if it's consistent, right. It doesn't have to be increasing. Okay, I I always feel like people think that velocity is the thing that they should look at. And to me, it's that in addition to what percent of our plan was met, how many things that we introduced that weren't supposed to be there, how many defects escaped. There's like so many other factors to look at to understand health. I don't think that – I think anytime you're looking at one, you're missing – it's like a story that only has a, a protagonist with nobody else in it. Like yeah. If there's no antagonist, it's not really a good story. Well, it depends. I mean, it could
0: be like a really creative person. <laughs> it could be, yes. No, but like velocity is fine, but velocity is for the team to get better. Velocity right. doesn't get your enterprise predictable. Okay. Right? So like for me, my my favorite metric as a like a leader of an organization is throughput because – That's just the way my brain thinks, right? Like how many cars are going to travel from point A to point B, you know, in the next two months? Yeah. Or how many stories is my, you know, delivery organization going to get finished? Because a story should be an explicit piece of functionality that can go to market that would have a KPI attached to it that I can now measure out in the market. How many of those am I going to get a month? right? How many features am I going to get every two months? How many epics am I going to get a quarter? Like whatever that, whatever those right, timeframes right. look at. But if I'm making trade-off decisions, I need to have a very good understanding of how many of one thing I can, one type of thing I can do in a set period of time. And velocity doesn't do that. And a lot of people who come from like a legacy management system will try to um, create a a velocity that makes sense across all of the teams, which becomes a garbage metric. Yeah. If the if the team isn't setting what a point is, and the team isn't setting what their velocity targets are, and the team isn't you know improving and learning and getting better at estimating, then velocity is worthless. Yeah. So. So I look at velocity as a team improvement, but I don't like rolling story points to features and then planning on feature velocity. I think that's I think okay. you've lost your ability to actually measure uh, or estimate at that point.
1: So if, if an organization goes down this path, like if I'm somebody that's trying to, to to make the case for transformation or just to see how we're doing with transformation, to understand if my flow is improving, I'm going to have to be baselining it on... I mean, do you, I, I guess the question that I want to ask is, are you looking for it to constantly be improving or is this stable flow? Is this stability the more important thing or increasing? The
0: more yeah, I think thing? like first is, and we were kind of joking about this, but like getting all of the work written down.
1: Yeah, visualizing all of it.
0: Yeah, and, and so flow could be like non-existent. Right, it could be like volcanic glass. It's not even lava anymore. It's just there, right? Because there's so much crap going on that you can't actually do anything. And that's an important lesson for anybody who's doing any kind of enterprise transformation to learn. Is most places that I've walked into as a consultant um, or an employee, you know, doing a transformation, um, nothing is actually moving. It's just whatever the whatever the fire is, is getting put out. And that could be some product getting shipped or whatever, or a bug getting fixed or whatever.
1: They're, yeah, they're in crisis mode.
0: Right, they're in crisis mode because it's complete chaos. And yeah. once you get everything written down and put somewhere, you know, like I don't even need metrics. I just want it written down and go, hey, do you guys really think you can do 187 projects this year? Um, <laughs> you know, you only have 100 <laughs> employees. Right. So more than, you know, 87% of your employees are working on two projects Yeah, by themselves. Right. So, um, or everybody's working on one project and nobody's working on 186 projects. Right. But there's, there's some kind of problem. We have made the decision to pretend as if we could do more stuff than we can. And it's probably not pretending. It's probably people, you know, believing they can get all that stuff done or trying to like, you know, I'm trying to impress Dave Pryor and Dave Pryor asked me to do 50 things and I'm going to get them done. Cause he's the man, right. Or whatever the case looks like. And so getting them written down is important. And then like the flow metrics are imp- like all the different flow metrics are important. And like some smart people, um, smarter than me, uh, like Scott Sellhorst and Will and I were talking about cycle time versus lead time. And should we measure, or should we not measure, and blah blah blah, and I'm like, well, I'll, like measure it, but I'm not looking at cycle time and lead time until like I'm actually getting anything done,
1: right? Stop, so yeah. stop the bleeding, get things consistent. So I want to, I want to check in with the other. I mean, the first thing is if you walk in and they can't do anything, get them to be able to do something. Second thing, second level would be get to a stable, consistent flow. The thing that I'm wondering about is. And this is the thing that I was working on with my, with my Kanban board was in addition to flow, I want the system to fuel itself. There's a bunch of things I do that like, whether it's before I do it, when I'm doing it or after I do it, I don't care about it in any way, shape, or form. It's just a, like an obligation. There's things that I avoid until they become so important. I have to do them right now. And then there's this sense of relief. And there's some stuff I do, which when it's finished, I feel like this immediate sense of gratification, but it's almost like a sugar rush, like it doesn't last. So I need to populate my system with things that are going to fuel the system the same way that food, food fuels the body. And I feel like in an organization, if you can get to stable, like that, that seems to me like that would be the next logical step.
0: Yeah, I think it's get everything written down. And then I think like the next logical step, and this is difficult. Um, but I think it's crucially important is to start having the work in progress discussion, right? Because you're never going to get stable flow. If you're always working on all of the things. And so that,
1: you're, you're, you're advocating making the madness statement of leaving space for people to think about what they're doing and actually make conscious choices.
0: Yeah. And I think like, this is where it has to start at the top. Yeah, where you're like, Hey boss, man, like we have a hundred people. You want us to do 187 things this year. We know that each thing's going to take, you know, one person or all a hundred of us working, you know, one, one hundredth of a time on each project or however, you know, you want to do your enterprise resource planning. Um, no matter what, we're not going to get all this stuff done. And Oh, by the way, in six months something's going to change and it's going to change half of these projects anyway. And then, Oh, by the way, in nine months, you know, something's going to change and you're going to ask us to do 50 different things. Right. Right. So like the request, uh, the request that you have on us is untenable. We don't have the capacity to do this. We've never been able to accomplish all of this stuff. We really need to sit down and say, okay, what are the, what are our top priorities? let's have you know a group of teams or everyone go down the list and get you know priority 1 priority 2 priority 3 done right and then we're going to measure how those priorities change the market and then we're going to do you know 4 or 5 6 and then we're going to measure and see what happens there and then we might shuffle the backlog around or whatever but everybody needs to be on board with the realization and the reality that no matter how many years you said you're getting all your stuff done, it never
1: happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost like you have to go slower to be able to go faster.
0: Yeah. People say that, but I, am not, I'm not hundred percent convinced you're actually going slower. It's that you need to focus on the most important thing first and then focus on the next and then focus on the next and not try to
1: do everything at once. So I don't think you actually end up going slower. So, yeah, I said, that, I didn't say it the right way. You need to, to plan to do less so that you can deliver more maybe.
0: Yeah. You need to, you need to um, slow down the planning. So you can actually do some work, right? Cause if you have 187 things you need to do, all you're going to do is plan how you're going to do those 107, 187 things. Yeah. You're never going to actually start working
1: on anything. Okay. So I know a lot of people on agile teams in organizations that are pretending that or they're making an effort to be agile, but they really don't understand it at, at a higher part of the organization. If I buy into what you just said, or I already know that's true. How do I have that conversation? Like, how would I? How would you counsel someone to message that to senior leadership if they didn't necessarily see the problem? Can you do that? Can that? I don't become, know. It?
0: It's so tough, Dave. I mean, like, you sometimes you get realization, right? Like, you get the confirmation that what you're saying is understood. Not only that they understand the concept, but also that they're understanding that that's a problem. And yeah. yet, there's still nothing that
1: changes. Like multitasking. I mean, yeah. all over the all over the world, people are trying to do, do multitasking. I still try to do it, even though I know I can't. Like it's physically impossible. We all know that. There's been tons of studies showing it, and yet every every company still expects people to do it.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, I I don't know if. I think like with ADD and some learning disabilities, you can actually multitask, but like. You have to, ha- your brain has to be wired in correctly. That's yeah. the joke I always yeah. get. Cause I have ADHD and I can listen to more than one conversation at a time, write down something different, right? And, you know, have everything, um, keep everything in order. But yeah. my brain doesn't work correctly,
1: <laughs> right? Okay. So
0: um, there's that. And it's like different for me to learn things. Um, so I think like with every, capability comes a cost. And I think like what ends up happening is that, and I've seen this at a few different large enterprises, is that the shareholders were promised, you know, 20 features to be released in 2021 or whatever. And so come hell or high water, they want their features and logic. I want my
1: $2. I want my $2. Yeah,
0: right. exactly. And I think that that's the hard reality. Like The the executives may understand that there's no way 20 things are getting done in the system that's still, you know, any, any system. Uh, a new agile system, um, the old legacy system or whatever. And what's going to end up happening is scope is either going to get cut. Yeah. We're going to do 16 things or 10 things or five things. Or cost is going to increase and scope is going to get cut. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen cost increase and then everything finish, right?
1: Okay. I need But that, okay.
0: The, the trade-off decision becomes do we do all of this stuff or do we pay more, and pay more money or do we pay the same amount of money and just decide we're going to do less. Now imagine if you just had a priority. I mean what you of,
1: just said is basically the whole argument for Scrum.
0: Yeah, it's the whole argument for the concept of agile, right? Which isn't speed, it's...
1: Rightness. Build the right, right
0: transparency thing. Transparency and the ability to adapt. Yeah. And so, okay. yeah, exactly. But if, if the executives aren't doing that with their initiatives and the way they're funding their initiatives, no delivery team is ever going to be successful other than locally achieving those results for for the company because there's a disconnect in what they're trying to do versus how the um, entire organization is set up to deliver.
1: They don't have a common vision. They don't understand what agile is supposed to change in their world. So they're just going through the motions and they're not in sync. No,
0: they're well, maybe, I mean, they might, they might understand the vision or whatever, but they are getting non-agile requirements handed to them and they're supposed to just do their scrum sprints, okay. right? So they get agility in a two week period, but everything else around them is a crushing blow of reality that they're going to work weekends and six months to get everything that they passed on done. Or they're going to have to hire, you know, a third party development team to come in and tackle this set of features because, um, you know, it was cut out of this backlog or running out of time or whatever. Because the plan was already made when the funding happened and the plan was 20 features for $100, right?
1: And nobody understands that the thing that's supposed to flex here is the scope. Right. Because if you don't flex the scope, you're flexing the quality.
0: Or you're flexing the cost. Yeah. Or you're flexing, you know, the team structure. But you're changing all of the things that if you are really agile, you don't need to change. As opposed to saying, you know, we have a list of 50 things that we would like to get done. We understand that our capacity is 25 things you know, start with the this set of five things, and then we'll figure it out as a as a company. Once those five things are launched into market.
1: How do you if when you're on site with a client, like what you just described, I completely get and I completely agree with but for somebody who doesn't see that yet, how can you get them to the point where they're they're going to be okay with that. I mean, where they're not going to be in a panic because I'm not doing all the things as fast as I can or staying here all weekend. People get addicted to that loop.
0: Yeah, I think they get addicted to the loop, though, because everything that supports, everything that is created in the system is to support the financial plan.
1: Okay. So we're measuring the wrong stuff. We're tracking the wrong, we're we're measuring and tracking the wrong things. The traditional organizations are, but they're measuring and tracking the only things they know to measure and track. Well, they're measuring and
0: tracking things based on what they're spending and what they believe they're going to get back for that spend. And if you're, if, if you're building an organization that's not tracking against those things, you're actually doing the wrong thing. Okay. Okay. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if I locally optimize software engineering, but I have, but I haven't changed the way funding works. I haven't changed the way um, budgeting works. How we communicate to our shareholders, what we're going to get done every year, all that stuff. If I haven't changed all that stuff, I've just made a bunch of delivery teams really good at Scrum. Okay. But they're going to get frustrated because they are not in, in an agile company. They are the they are the outliers. They're just the doers of stuff, and they do two week sprints and they do all the ceremonies and they can negotiate their backlog um, until uh, somebody reads a chart and sees that the product's going to be late. Okay.
1: It just, it, there's a part of, of this that it, it feels to me like we are expecting people or telling people they should be studying things they're not even aware of.
0: I'm just saying that if you come in and your only goal is to create scrum teams, and that's like you're set up as a coach to go transform delivery teams into scrum teams, and, and the company is not investing in changing anything else. Right. You're going to be super frustrated.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're, it's, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying that the company is investing in scrum teams, set, standing those up because it doesn't know any better. And I guess that's the part where I'm kind of stuck in the whole thing is if they don't know any better, how do we help them know better without learning the lesson the hard way? And especially yeah. if I'm somebody who doesn't have the voice in the organization, how do I raise that? Yeah, I guess, I guess the thing I'm trying to get to is some sort of counsel or advice for the people that are at the mid-management level who want senior leadership to, to understand what they're seeing and to respond to it. But if those people don't feel like they have the ear of the you know senior leadership, that can be a hard thing to do. I don't know. I mean, I, I meet a lot of those people and I'd like to be able to offer them something.
0: Yeah. And um, I think, like, and, you know, I, we mentioned about this before we started recording, as I'm starting to write something, I'm going to read you part of it. Okay. Executives are asked to create disruption and to move at the speed of the race car, but they're expected to perform that speed on a self powered unicycle. <laughs> yes. Right. And I think well, that- and what's worse, they keep saying yes. I'll be able to do that. I'll I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, and like <laughs> your CIO, right, is going to be like, you know, the big boss told me I need. We need to get product out the door faster, and we need to be able to adapt, and we need to be able to, you know, sense the market and be innovative, and we need to do all these things. And they told me that in May. Now here's the problem. Uh, the budget was created last October and there's only three months left (laughs) on the budget and everything that I was supposed to be doing is already late. So I'm going to fight the fires all the while I'm going to start creating next year's budget. Right. Yeah. And then when I get into next year's budget, I'm going to say, Oh man, um, I heard this dude Dave Pryor, and he's really smart. I'm going to hire his company to come in and do Um, An agile transformation or, you know, whatever you heard, you know, Melissa Boggs uh, a couple weeks ago and she's amazing. And I want her to come in and do an agile transformation for us. Mm -hmm. And the CIO is going to be like, all right, great. All right. Now, senior director of software engineering, you have a budget to do an agile transformation. And that guy's like, oh man, you know, guy or gal is like, Hey, I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm going to (laughs) go do some research. Right. And then they're going to scrum scrum sounds great. Uh, XP Kanban, like whatever the framework is. Right. Yeah. They're gonna be like, all right, well, we're going to use that hundred dollars. That's in the annual budget this year.
1: Buy some magic bullets.
0: Yeah. And we're going to (laughs) scrum, we're going to scrum the shit out of it. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, nine months later, when they're doing next year's budget, they're like, you know what? That Scrum stuff didn't work. Let's try this one. Or, you know, how many places... And they
1: won't even really have done Scrum.
0: Right, right. They'll never have gotten there. Yeah. Um, they, they you know, found somebody who's going to provide their standard velocity calculation worksheet, mm-hmm. right? And one hour is one point or whatever the stupid, you know, templatized story point is going to be. And all the engineers are going to spend 80% of their time figuring out how to gamify that system because they think it's stupid and their velocity is going to go up, you know, 10% for six months and then it's going to plateau because they've reached, you know, scrum velocity nirvana or whatever. And they're the highest ranked scrum team.
1: That's when they get the badge because they're agile and they can stop.
0: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then the next year they're going to be like, oh, I heard some windbag on Dave Pryor's podcast talking about funding models. Yeah. Well, I think we need to, you know, bring work him in. PMO. And we're going to bring him in and he's going to teach the PMO how to fund projects better. You know, we're going to spend that $100 on that. And then we're going to locally optimize the PMO or whatever. And then our Scrum teams aren't doing Scrum anymore. And you know, our projects still don't align to our business goals. Right. And our, our reward system is still, you know, based on like, you know, complete TPS cover sheet four quarters in a row. Or right. Um, And they're not aligned to like the features that our teams build outperforming features of our competitors in the market.
1: So this is the part where, where I was saying before, I feel like people get seduced by taking what's that the dark side well yes obviously the dark side but they get i mean maybe that is a good way of referring to it they get seduced by this way of trying to measure things and look at things and talk about things that it sounds different it seems more enlightened but really has it changed anything at all are we actually going faster and that and i guess that's it might feel faster but is it faster right. um, and that's that's sort of the tricky part for an organization to figure out which things they need to be looking at like what pace they need to go at what pace they introduce the change when you get to a state where you have a constant flow through a system is it better to amp things up and gear them back. It starts to seem like there's so many things stacked up that the organization is supposed to be paying attention to now that it all, I almost feel like everyone should just stop working and study themselves. In which case they yeah. won't get anything done. Well, sure. Which is, they probably won't <laughs> but get they'll done. know a lot. <laughs> it's like me and my Kanban board. Right. But to what end?
0: Well, that's the thing. And I, and I think like if you're a startup company, right? And let's say Dave, you started up prior industries and you're gonna build a product and, and you hired six developers or whatever. Right. And you're you're setting the strategic intent of the company, you're identifying the value propositions, you're creating the value chain, you built the value stream you wanted with the engineers that you wanted and the process that you wanted. And you know, you hired Java Java folks instead of C sharp folks because you want to do X, Y, and Z, right? And you designed that system to do that specific thing as a small business to get product in the market. You're the PO and you're the CEO. And every time companies decide they're going to expand for capacity or for new markets or whatever, and they hire in between people, in between that strategic intent and the doing, Mm -hmm. they start creating a gap of understanding and they start creating a system that is either functionally aligned or product space aligned or both if it's really bad or something, but it's not aligned to just that value chain value prop anymore. Okay. Right. And that's, when these types of problems start and then years and years go by and systems on top of systems have been ratcheted on to just keep everything held in this expanding mess because you're trying to grow as quick as possible and you're trying to get into new markets and new customers and you're trying to expand your footprint, which is all great competitive stuff, right? The disconnect between the strategic intent of doing that expansion and the product being delivered starts to get created, and then eventually you get to the point where you're hiring consultants to come in to do Scrum or to do a <laughs> scaled implementation or whatever, some kind right. of framework or function, you know, functional thing that or process thing that you can strap on to try to gain some kind of control. Yeah, when really you gave away the control in the way that you started to expand your organization.
1: But do you think that it seems unfair to expect an organization just beginning down this path, or even in the first couple, you know, maybe round or two of trying to figure it out that they would have awareness and insight into all this. I mean, even if they listen to this and like, yeah, we really need to pay attention to that. They've, they have they're not going to know what to look at. They're not. They're not going to see it. Sure, they will. Um, does your organization have
0: a department and separate reporting structure for every type of person that you hire? And I mean, type of person like skill set, right? Right. I mean, think of any organization that does software. Okay. You have your director of development, your director of tests, and your director of business—you know, analysts or whatever. But you, you as an executive, have probably—and you might have inherited this organization, right? But along some point of growth, an executive in the company said, "Wouldn't it be great if we had an expert in, you know?" defense strategy planning, right? Okay. And we're going to hire um we're going to hire this guy who has defense strategy planning because that's the market we want to get into and we're going to give that person a budget to build our business in that area for us. Okay. You have already handed you've already created the disconnect between the strategic intent and the operationalization of that strategy to somebody else. Yeah. Right. And then that person's going to hire people that they trust to do,
1: you know, um, you
0: know, operations planning versus strategic planning. (laughs) You you
1: can, you can scale the misunderstanding of purpose in the same way you can scale the misunderstanding of everything else that we're doing.
0: Right. And what, (laughs) what we lost, what we lost sight of.
1: This is encouraging. I I totally feel like everybody who's listening to this is going to be like, yeah, I need to do that. (laughs) <laughs> well you, i mean seriously like if you
0: want to create agility in your business you need to change all of the structure and process not just some of it yeah and in order to if you're a small business starting out and you're thinking about expanding into a new market right like think about why how how what you're doing right? How, what you're doing as a company and how you're organized and how you're meeting and how you're collaborating, how did that make you successful? And I don't think it was, you know, just because you found a person who was really good at this one thing.
1: Yeah. It's a lot to ask though. I mean, I guess that's, I would imagine that people don't wouldn't disagree with the things that we've said. I, there's a part of me that's like, yes, and it's really, really hard to do.
0: Oh yeah, no, this takes, this takes extreme courage because as an executive, you have to make a trade-off decision based on your capability to, of understanding whatever it is you want to go do, right? because you can't just with grit and determination and rolling up sleeves and elbow grease or whatever the cliche is, right? You can't know something well enough to make the right decisions about it on a whim.
1: Yeah.
0: So either you're going to hire somebody or you're going to learn it. And if you hire somebody, you're relinquishing the community, the collaboration points and the way in which you were successful at what you're doing before And if you have to learn it, you're probably going to be late to the game and somebody else is going to do it and you need to be okay with those decisions. Yeah. But knowing if I start to create functional silos in middle management, I'm already creating the structure that consultants come in to fix um, with scrum or scaled agile or whatever.
1: I want to leave like some. I want something a hope leave leave some kind of hope on the table. But I think all of the stuff that we've been talking about here is, is kind of a way of making the argument for bringing in somebody to do coaching because you if you have somebody there who is able to be more objective because they're a little bit removed from what's going on and they can see the whole system and how all these parts play together they might be able to be the voice that helps you see the stuff you can't see they're going to be looking more at the forest while you're stuck in the trees um i mean do you agree with that yes
0: but you have to give that person the time and in agency to influence you okay so just bring in somebody in and assigning them to your middle manager yes.
1: <laughs> coach the problem. thing for right. me yeah So you have to be willing to engage with them. Okay. So what is one hopeful thing? We've talked a lot about what makes this so hard, but. Yeah.
0: If if you align your org structure, your reward system and your process to, you know, what it is you want your business to do, as opposed to the types of things that need to get done. Uh, you will create a successful organization and you can have a successful transformation when you actually transform the business to create business agility versus just trying to apply a process or procedure to a single space to gain some sort of agility.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that, and also it's really helpful if you can figure out why, what, like, if you want to transform to agile, how agile is agile enough for you right now? Like some way of, of deciding this is when we'll know we've been successful and what we're trying to do. What are the things that we're going to be looking at to see if we've gotten, you know, whatever it is taken care of?
0: Right. And agility, if we're just looking at it holistically for a business, if it's the ability to adapt to market demand, right? At a super, super high level. Right. um, Then it doesn't necessarily like, it doesn't necessarily need to be a scaled agile framework or scrum or Kanban or whatever. The transformation could just be a different process, a different paperwork chain, a different organizational construct. Right. And nobody ever has to learn scrum. You know, maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe you're not even making software, right? Like there's all kinds of businesses that have products that have created this organizational construct that is not supporting the strategic intent of their business. Yeah. And they're dealing with it through that grit and determination. You don't have to, you know, it's easy. Like it's, it's conceptually easy to switch from a a strong matrix to a weak matrix organization. Yeah. You know,
1: If you're willing to change. Um,
0: If you're willing to change, you know, and it's not just like reporting structures. Like I don't care who you report to versus who I report to, Dave, if we're, you know, the product owner and architect for a product. I don't care if I report to the director of architecture and you report to, you
1: know, some business. Right. Cause you're working Um, on something together. That's what matters.
0: Right. And we're solving the problems and we're assigned just this one area. And we have this list of shit that we need to get done. And we have an agreement together that we're going to get this stuff done together as a team. Yeah. And we're both paid better when our product gets out to market and does better in the market.
1: Okay. So that's something else they have to be thinking about too, which we touched yeah. on earlier in the podcast. Okay.
0: Yeah, we talked about the incentives, like the incentives yeah. the work structure and the process all needs to be aligned to what actually delivers value and it's doable. Even without switching reporting structures and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. It's doable because, like, there's this concept first team, second team, whatever. Right. Like, the team that you're assigned to deliver product with is the team that you take your what and when direction from. I'm going to do this stuff at this time. Yeah. And your reporting structure can just be the fine tuning of the skill set. Yeah. Like, if I report to the director of architecture, that director of architecture is going to make me a better architect. But he's not going to tell me, he or she's not going to tell me what, what to, be, to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, yeah. That's
0: your job as my product owner.
1: Okay. Well, so what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to do that if they have follow-up questions?
0: Yeah, um, LinkedIn's still the best. And then yeah. uh, I actually have a website. It's rossberman.com. It's pretty inventive. You know, I'm really good at naming things. <laughs> I, took, I took the space out. And just collapse my first name, and my last name together.
1: I hope you at least used like a mix of capital and lowercase letters to make it seem all internet-y. I didn't. I think I just did all lowercase, you know. <laughs> well, I'll make sure we include a link to, to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and, so. and I have like, um, I have posted no less than eight things on Instagram. So
1: you're burning up there. I know.
0: My social media is on fire. I think I'm up to like
1: 10 people. (laughs) You need to get on the TikTok, man. Yeah, that's the next step, right? Um,
0: (laughs) I I think I might just have to stick to embarrassing myself on these podcasts and not, you know, (laughs) with pictures.
1: Well, you're welcome to come back and talk about this anytime. As long as I don't have to look at any of these horrible whiteboard pictures, I think it's going to be fine. So this is cool. Thank you for making time for this. And if you listen, I hope you found this valuable. I know it went a little over the road, but um, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty cool conversation.
0: Hey, if you're listening,
1: if you're still listening,
0: yeah. If you're still, if you have, (laughs) wake up, rewind and, you know, actually I would love if people like challenged us to dig into something specific the next time we talk based on. Oh, that's good. Okay. A lot of the high things like, like I think some interaction from the audience, I know like some people listen to this um, and not just, you know, my fiance, your wife and our family members. Right. So my
1: wife doesn't listen to it.
0: Oh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> my fiance uses it instead of the pay app to go to
1: sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh, well, cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening, Ross. Thank you for your time this afternoon. And uh, we'll have to do another one soon. Yeah. Awesome, Dave. Thank you so cool. much. Thanks. I'm not